From the Woodshed, a casual conversation with Chase Morrill and Ryan Eldridge from Kennebec Cabin Company, the team that inspired the hit show Main Cabin Masters. From the Woodshed is brought to you by Nelma. See the stamp, trust the quality. By Hero Media Arts, connecting small business with new customers. And by Hammond Lumber, your building project partner. Now, from the Woodshed Studios at KCC headquarters in Manchester, Maine, it's Chase and Ryan. From the Woodshed, I'm Chase Morrill. With me as always, Ryan Eldridge and Maggie Morrill. Hi. Hey, guys. We're here to talk about all things cabins, all things Maine, all things Maine cabins, and today, Stone Houses. Stone Houses. Our guest today is Jeff Devlin, the host of Stone House Revival. You can find it on HGTV and DIY Network. You can find us at KennebecCabinCompany.com, MainCabinMasters.com, our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube channels, and check out our online store for great merchandise, shop.kennebeckcabincompany.com. We always want to thank our sponsors for making this possible. Nelma, nelma.org, easternwhitepine.org, sprucepinefur.org, heromediaarts.com, and Hammond Lumber Company, the official building material supplier of Kennebec Cabin Company. Every time it gets better. Someday you don't <laughs> even have to look at that. You're just fake. I, Mumble yeah. it in your sleep. I'll be, yeah, I'll be saying it in my sleep. This whole stone house thing amazes me. I got so many questions. Yeah, this should be a good one. He's been uh, doing this for a while. He actually works with the same production company we yeah. do, Dorsey Pictures. So it'll be fun to pick his brain. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. Yeah. Man, what a week. What a week. Spring's here sometimes, somewhat. Some, yeah, it was, no, it was a beautiful week. Um, new cabins are going nicely. It's actually a cold, rainy slash snowy day today, so we're all dragging a little bit. Yeah, it's a tough Friday. I had that 2.30 feeling today. I actually got a coffee in the afternoon. Well, it's been a while. But I think it was also just such a nice week. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to have a little bit of a Yeah, when, you, when you're skiing on, skiing on Saturday and sunny and 70, and then you come in on the Friday, like, uh, it's like, well, we, we'll, we'll make it. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Things are going good, though. We started a new round of camps. Yeah, we started a new round of camps. Eva just got home from Missouri yesterday. They got a. So did they, did they deliver the pregnant horse? Or what was the deal with that? They were bringing out a horse to um, someone out there, and then they were bringing another horse back. They brought her out there to get pregnant, and then they're going to bring her back. Interesting. The whole horse world's pretty fascinating. That's a long trip, booty call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> I mean, all right, we're gonna go to the next subject. I'll, I'll be blushing. Maggie will be mad. I was gonna start asking questions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what else is going on? <laughs> oh, I went skiing the last time with the saddleback. That was awesome. End of the year was beautiful. Good year. It was a good year. And to think they get more snow right now is crazy. Just, yeah. just when the job sites dried out. Yeah, no job, job sites have dried out, mud's drying up. What's going on with the woodshed? What oh, the woodshed. The, the woodshed is, was a mud pit. The woodshed is drying out. We're um, waiting on a few last things to make the big changes, but we got piles of dirt ready to go. Yes, it will shortly be under construction. So if you show up in the next couple of weeks, they're still, it's still open, still yep. parking. Just bear with us while we make it so that we're, it's not a mud pit ever again. Not yeah, we're under construction. But yeah, it's going to be awesome. And that's been kind of one of the banes why my, why it's been a long week. It's just a lot of work. You forget, like when you step into commercial stuff, and you know, we got it easy doing cabins. Yeah. You know, we get the keys, and that's it. And like, then you take on a different project, and it's like you're back. 
to the real world. It's like, oh, God, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. But I'm sure we, uh, again, can commiserate with Jeff. <laughs> yeah. It would be good to talk to him. Nice. <laughs> we're having one of what those days. I'm just trying. I, yeah, our brains are broken. I know. It's been. Well, you know what it is? It's like film crew was here for three weeks, end of winter, spring starting, and then this last week has just been crazy. I felt like I was walking around in circles. My phone was ringing off the hook. The other day, I actually counted my phone calls. Guess how many? Mm, 19. 71 phone calls, okay? They started at like 6.45, and that was like 7.15. 55 texts. And I didn't even check my emails. I was like, and that was Wednesday. I think Monday was even worse. Wow. Yeah. It's been tough. It's, 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 it's been a great week for me. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, that's right. You are now officially on April vacation. Yep. Nice. Any big plans? No, actually, I have nothing going on. No trips. Just a weird times, but yep. I think the end's coming in sight after this year. It'll be good. I saw you not got a new boat. I saw that today. <laughs> Dual boats, huh? <laughs> Do you know anything about inboard motors? Uh, I know it should break out another thousand. <laughs> That's the acronym for boat. Does it run? Don't know. Oh, we got a. What about that boat guy that? Yeah, Randy. Oh, Randy. I'm, I'm gonna call him. But he's good. But that thing, like, I don't even know, like, how to tell. It looks like it's in good shape. Yeah. <laughs> You put the muffs on it, right? Put that in a bucket of water and then... Well, I had to... Uh, no, I haven't done that. I didn't have a key for it, so I had to buy a new ignition, so... I am not good with engines. I'm, not, I'm the last I, I person know. to ask. But I did... I, did I tell you that? I've made arrangements to have the Unimog towed to a mechanic. Nice. Awesome. Because uh, I was out, by, out to Chelsea the other day, stopping by Clary Lake, swung back through there, and called the tow truck. He's going to have it towed out to Great Northern Motor Works in cool. Reefield. And I was talking to him... He actually used to live in Europe and worked on old Unimogs, so. Perfect. Yeah. And the, the Unimog is semi-famous from the Bickford episode. <laughs> uh, we got it. It's, it's been on that side of the river ever since. So. It, it has. That's exciting. That thing's going to come back to life. Yep. Fletcher's really excited. It's going to be cool. He thought for sure it was gone for good, but. The Unimog in parade and then take the um, Biofly cut right out of it. <laughs> the worst idea I've ever heard. I'm not driving that barfly card. Uh, <laughs> good time. Stay tuned for that. It'll yeah, be interesting. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We will be right back with our guest. All right, and we are joined today with Jeff Devlin, the host of Stonehouse Revival on HGTV and the DIY Network. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Oh, no, wait, hold on. I want to do my come in the scene by raising my seat up. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Is it I like working? It. I like it. So you are in your office, a true, car- I, uh, a true, true contractor slash carpenter's office, the uh, front seat of your truck. Yep. And of course, you know, normally I go over to the passenger side, but there's there's crap in the back seat. Oh, yeah. I got my hand over the thing. There's wood in the back seat. There's the trailer hitched on. It's just, you know, every time that you're going to have the time to uh, I like I had it all planned out. I was so excited because I saw in some of the notes that they had sent, like you got, you know, you can have a beer, coffee, whatever. Cheers, the guys. 
I was so looking forward to a Guinness. Yeah. But you guys, it wasn't even funny. <laughs> now, well, I so just you, got water. So you have your water. We have our Baxter yeah. Brewing. We have the Hazy IPA again. Baxter Brewing is a local brewer in, in Maine, and they support our podcast. And they provide us with these beautiful woodshed mugs. So we'll have a drink for you, bud. I know. I feel bad, but not when, that bad. And when you come you up bastards. to Maine, we'll, we'll buy you first couple. Wait, hold on. Cheers. Just as pleasant. But, oh, there, there goes Jeff. There he is. He's back. No, he's I'm back. here. But, I'm here. But we know you're paying because I, I, sometimes we leave on a Monday morning and you, you think you're going one spot, and the next thing you know, you're two hours away. I mean, I've been go- leaving for the week and been back home that night, and now she's like, what are you doing home? You know, yeah. just you, ne- you never know in that, this industry. So it is, it is funny. You try to plan it as best as possible, and you try to be flexible, but there's certain things that, like, I don't know. I, I'm, I, like, I like to have control um, and be when I need to be somewhere and, and have that control, but in television, you don't really get that. You have to let go of a lot, and sometimes that's hard for someone like myself. I can't speak for you guys, but um, it's not always easy. I, I'm not. I like my truck. It's nice to live in it, but I, I don't have a bathroom <laughs> in it. So I got my Dunkin', you know, filled with uh, excrement, whatever. Uh, anyway, but yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird life we live. Yes. Um, but so, a fun one. I, yeah. Tell tell us a little bit about Stonehouse Revival and how long you've been. Doing the so, show um, versus doing carp because you've been a carpenter well before the show like us, and how you kind of got into like, yeah, just in front of the damn camera. Yeah. Um, so the truth is, is that I have been a carpenter since I was like 15 years old. Um, not always a good carpenter, but a carpenter nonetheless. Um, I wore the flannels and had the pencils and had a couple of tools, and then it grew from there. Obviously. Um, over the years, I was actually a cameraman for all these shows too. Oh, wow. so oh I really? Was, I was, yeah. I held the, the the cameras back when it wasn't digital, and you had your beta SPs and stuff like that. The old, bigger cameras, the heavier. Uh, you needed to know a decent amount to lug those suckers around. And then I actually started um, with a camera crane. So those big thirty-four or thirty-five foot camera cranes that would swing around at concerts. Um, I looked at it as like a game at the time. See how many people I can get really close to their head. And <laughs> uh, so it was cool. Like it took me all over the United States, but it also took me to renovation TV, which, um, you know, being behind the camera for as long or being behind it for as long as I was, it kind of, it was an easy transition for me. And quite honestly, how it happened, I could make the story really long, but it's kind of boring. I was working on a show. They were dropping off a camera that was a rental. One of the guys that I'd worked with, and um, oddly enough, he saw me working on my own house. And I was doing, you know, when you get the time to do stuff on your own house, whenever that is, you really focus and take the time and you want it right. I was uh, hand cutting a, an old joint called a Jack Miter. And this guy was dropping off the camera. He's like, that's right. You're still, you still do carpentry. Cause I had a nice balance of freelance photography and then my carpentry business on the side. He literally came back the next day with a new camera and was technically lied to me and said, uh, I'm, I want to test out this camera. I'm like, all right, fine. But and you guys know when you're working, you want to work. You don't. And it's even sometimes tough when you're doing a TV show. Right. You still want to work sometimes. Yes. You don't want to talk. You don't want to go and explain everything. So anyway, I'm sitting there with a cup of coffee. He comes over with his wife and he's like, look, we're going to be flies in the wall. We just want to film you. And I'm like, all right, but fine, just do it quick. So he could test out the camera. 
Um, he sent the camera in and two weeks later I was asked to be on a show on HGTV called Spice Up My Kitchen. And that show ran six seasons wow. um, on HGTV. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Then after that, you know, and each time, um, my experience is always when I'm done, I'm like, I am never doing television again. It's so horrible. It's like pregnancy. And I, please, I want to be careful when I say this, that it's like women forget how much it hurts. Like the pain of pregnancy and the pain of what it's like to, to be pregnant and then to have to give birth and to have all those things. And then, you know, whatever, a year later, be like, or even a couple of months later, they, it's not like they forget and be like, oh, I'm ready to get pregnant again. I'm like, no, no, that was horrible. What happened to you? You were miserable. And that I liken my life to pregnancy because I'm going to get so much, so much hate mail. But they get so a lot of joy from it, too, you know. So as you probably do, you know, as hard as it is, every, everything you struggle through, there's still a lot. It's very rewarding. Yes. Well, it is. It is. It is funny. I mean, we can we can joke about it. But the truth is, is that we all carpenters who love what they do are very content, you know, and to bring it to an audience that we have the potential to to, to show what we do and how much fun it is. It's kind of bringing carpentry into an era where kids just don't really want to do it anymore. They don't want to be hands or they didn't want to be hands on. Now, you know, homeowners are kind of getting a little bit more integrity with their work. They want to be able to do this. They want some nicer tools. It's not just slapping stuff here and there. It's actually building and having the integrity to make sure it looks cool. Mm -hmm. And that to be a part of the whole wave of all this is, is I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud. Nice. Now, do you find there's more pressure on, do you put more pressure on yourself because you do have experience on the other side of the camera? Like, yeah. you know, on our side of things, you know, we have no experience be, being behind a camera. And so we just do what we do. But, you know, coming at it where you've seen, you know, kind of how things are being framed, what you kind of have to make happen. It almost seems like there'd be more pressure on yourself to, or you think you're thinking about being a cameraman yeah, while doing yeah, yeah. Because the only time we do is if like someone wants to take a picture with us, we know enough you want the sun on your face, and that's about it. <laughs> but I imagine if you're like doing some some cool stuff, you're like, oh well, he's over here, so you're thinking to help him out a little bit. Like, it's got to be tough, like you're saying. Well, it, again, it's, it's it is sometimes that you know too much, and it's not all the time. Like when you get into your groove, you just do your thing. You know, the 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 cameraman JP and I, I've known him for since the first show. Oh, and that's also what helped me transition. I would have never been able to do what you guys do and just jump on camera, not know anybody around you. I knew the whole crew because I worked with them before behind the camera. So nothing really changed for me. So for me, you know, I, I don't want to say it's hard in any way. It's it's a team effort, as you well know, when your production team is in is good uh, and and honestly, the same company that shoots your show shoots our show. Yeah. Right. So Dorsey, we've been working with uh, Matt yep. Yep. and uh, the Matts, Matt Squared. And what a, what an experience. It's like this is the first time where I'm able to just do stuff. And they don't they don't stop me in the middle of something. Um, you know, and, and it's for me, it's been it's almost invigorating to do it this way. And I've never experienced it this way. Nice. That's good. Have you guys now I'm going to ask you questions. Have you guys <laughs> ever done any other television besides this we have not no. we did a, pi a pilot for the history channel with dorsey with dorsey called lost okay. cabin hunters which was kind of a different premise but that's how that morphed into Two. main cabin yeah. masters so no we we would we'd be doing construction with or without a film crew around we just happened to 
have one tagging with us. Yeah. So to, to answer your question or to, to labor on the other point is that a lot of where I am now is because I've been canceled in the past and that, you know, you take it hard. Like yeah. it, it's personal for me. And when you see some other shows succeed and then you're like, well, what am I doing wrong? And, and each time, I don't care who you are, maybe other people are good at it, but it, coverage is not a competition. It never is. Right. It's just, you like doing things like nailing a two by four and putting it together and nailing now floors. Everybody should know how to do it as a carpenter. Um, but television is, you know how to do it and then you talk through it and make it entertaining. Right. So for me, knowing, you know, and as the strangest thing is that Stonehouse, while we're shooting now, it was canceled two years ago. So they gave us the boot and you know just was like okay you're done and like you're like wait what i'm done and you're you know your your regular life and 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 building stuff is one way but in television it's like you know you got to have it done you've got to coordinate a lot of things time is money when production things so when that stopped you go back to a, another you know your old ways and then but also in your head you're like he didn't like me, mom. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's got like, it's uh, got to hit to the ego. You know, Chase sure. and I, have, it is. we've talked about building a brand because we, you know it's inevitable. It's going to come. You know, our day will come sometime. So yeah. just trying to build a brand and, you know, wait for that day. And we've been, we were season to season, you know, and it, it was hard because you're kind of hanging in the balance and like people are offering you like, do you want to build these houses? Like, so we really couldn't commit to some of these projects and kind of waiting. The waiting has been the hardest thing, you know? And it is, it's a huge shift going from having you know, the homeowners being the ones, you know, writing the check, saying what they want and delivering to them, you throw in this whole other TV side of things. It's like, <laughs> okay, now you have to balance delivering to them and delivering to the homeowners. It's definitely a, adds a whole nother layer that I don't think we ever even considered before any of all this. And that's why we drink hazy IPAs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so where are you right now? Um, Pennsylvania? Uh, Schwanksville, Pennsylvania. Nice. Bucks County. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Close. Actually, you know what? This one might be Montgomery County. So uh, normally our homes are, the show always said Bucks County because that's where I grew up. Yeah. Um, but truth be told, I live in Chester County, which is like an hour away. And we, like, I know it's weird. I mean, you probably know the same thing. Casting can be problematic sometimes. We try to pick properties that are at exactly somewhat close because of our schedule we have we're doing like two to three jobs at once yeah. so right now we have houses that luckily i was able to figure it out where we t they're two miles apart so we were at one house in the morning now we're at another house in the afternoon we so, pulled that off yeah yeah it's it's horrible it just you know i live out of my trailer and my truck um, I want to put a bed back there just because <laughs> you're like, gosh, dang it. You know, you're going all over the place and you're not sure where you're going to be. You're not sure where you are. You live on your phone to figure out. I don't like half the time. I just push the button where the GPS just says, go here. I'm like, all right. And in, normally when you do these jobs, they're linear. If you're anything like my company, it's a smaller company and you just do the job till it's done. And then you get paid and you'd move on to the next one. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, how, how big is your footprint? Like, so, in Maine, we always try to do them in clusters, like you said, and we'll try to go like in one direction. We'll go towards Western Maine and do a bunch out that way, or we'll go towards Northern Maine, or we'll go down, down east towards Acadia. But I mean, if you figured out the furthest points you've gone, I mean, it's 
you know, four or five mm-hmm. hours drive in between them all with us located in the center. We're not, so we don't, we won't drive that far yeah. just because logistically I have kids and, and I will tell you that, uh, my kids now, my oldest is in college. She's almost 19 and my son's almost 17. And I've been doing the television stuff for, I think it's almost 12 years now on and off. Like mm-hmm. every time I do it, I think I'm good. And then at the end of it, I'm like, nope, not going to ever do that again. And then I get sucked back in, but I've missed a lot. Like, yeah. I just, I don't want to miss anything anymore. So for us, the old homes are right here. They're right here. So I don't want to go any further than an hour. If I can't sleep in my bed at night, it's not worth it. And the older I get and the more, this is where, take note, the more, um, the more, the more your show is uh, popular, then the smaller that circle goes because you could find houses close by or you could find story points. We're seeing that. Absolutely. We're definitely seeing that. And by the way, I can't turn on the damn channel without seeing you guys, and I get sucked in every time. Every so, single sorry time. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to know, what's the history behind all the stone houses in that area? Just general? Is that as just far a, as, was it the building style? Was there just a lot of stone available? Because that, that's so what blew just, my I mean, mind. So it's it, it it's a lot of um, Bucks County, uh, any anywhere in this area, um, there's stone everywhere. You literally could dig a hole in the ground and you'd hit beautiful Bucks County uh, field stone or red argillate is another one. We see more of the, you know, the pretty field stone. So when they were building homes, again, for you to go and cut a tree down, as you guys well know, you hew it by hand, pit saws, all the whole thing. It takes time. If I could go out in the backyard, just dig some holes and I have a very stable building product, um, and lime mortar and stick it all together. That's going to be the go-to because you'll clear the you'll clear um, you'll clear cut the area where mm-hmm. the stone's going to be. Drop as as little as trees as you can. Get your summer beams in and get your joists in there, and then get to work. And the way it was e- it was almost easier. I know it sounds crazy because when you look at some of these homes, you're like, how did they get oh, yeah. a, a stone that looks like it's 500 pounds uh, up? 15 feet in the air without you know a ladder and and how they would do it and again there's i could go on forever it was a process by which you can you can see in the front of a stone house you'll see small either plugs of wood or you'll see small stones and these beautiful big huge stones that was as they were building it up they just jammed a, a beam in there cantilevered it off threw a big chunk of wood on top of it and used it as scaffolding so it's, it's pretty wild to think. I mean, and as soon as you go down south, the soil changes. Yeah. Um, when you start going west, same thing. So this area is just, there's stone absolutely everywhere. Um, and it was easy and pretty. And even though they covered it, I don't know why. I mean, we always say we're saving history. We're doing exactly the opposite right. by uncovering <laughs> the stone. Yeah. Like, it was all plastered. So we just rip it apart. So it was mostly field stones that they didn't really manipulate a lot. You know, it wasn't quarrying. It wasn't, they just took what was in the ground, threw it up there and covered over and called it good. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. And when you say they they didn't really, if you look at an old stone house, you're you're not going to look at it the way when, when people put up veneer nowadays, they're very specific to do this and do this. If you really look at some of the primitive old stone homes, it's like cattywampus and kind of just thrown on (laughs) there. Yeah. Yeah. Again, remember if you're so say you start building a house and you're stacking stones 
any project that I've ever started, and I will guarantee you guys feel the same way. You're all gung ho at the beginning, oh, yeah. and by the the fourteen thousand stone, you're like, screw this, glue it on, don't care, put a tarp over it. I'll sleep in the barn. You got to remember the times. You know, you're you're trying to get in set for winter. Similar yeah, to when you guys yeah. are doing a cabin in the summer, you're like, we cannot let this. We cannot be doing this in January in Maine because it's cold as hell. It's miserable. Everything takes more time. Same thing as our pioneers. It was trying to do this at an optimal time to make it quick and easy. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, up here, you know, yes, we have, you know, plenty of field stone, but stone houses you see up here, it's all granite where it's been quarried and cut. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, just so much amount of labor going into making it. It's interesting to see, you know, how it is just the field stones. You know, same thing up here. We're, we're working under these sills, and they just take logs for cabins, throw them down, clean up one side, and there's your floor joists, there's your beams, everything. It's, you know, use what you have, make it work, and get it done as quickly as possible yeah. so you can use it. Right. And you don't see – I mean, the reason why you don't see – I mean, it's population too. So mm -hmm. down in Philadelphia with the, the major cities, New York's, when you, when you get anywhere close to the major cities at the time, you're going to see a lot more prominent houses sure, yeah. and less primitive – because they wanted, again, they wanted the big house. They wanted something fancy, what have you. And then you get up into Maine, you go down into West Virginia. It's it's just a matter of shelter at the end of the day. Um, and that's kind of cool. That's a part of the history that I enjoy. I don't like, in all honesty, I'm not even sure I should say it out loud, <laughs> but I don't like the expensive houses. Right. I, I like the ones that are, you look, it looks like your grandfather built. Um, I just think that's, character. that's it, it's that unique character yeah, for sure. That I think, yeah, it makes it different. And when you go on a development, which I'm staring, I'm literally staring at the house we're working on, which is, you know, right there. And then there's a development of all the same house with yeah. like these plastic shutters. And I'm like, it looks nice. And literally when you look at it, they're emulating the old shutters, everything, but it's just out of vinyl. Um, now you're going to make me cry because not only am I not drinking, <laughs> but now I'm. <laughs> so you, anyway. li you live in an old farmhouse. Two, 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 250? 200, wow, 250 year old stone farmhouse. Wow. Nice. I don't know what Wait. I was thinking. No, I, I love it. It's a, it's a, I, I have a fireplace. that's like the size of the whole entire wall. The benefit of being a carpenter is that I always have wood scraps. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, I don't even have to get, um, <laughs> firewood most of the time. I'm burning everything in there, <clears throat> keeping it warm. Now I've just always, I've always appreciated or always enjoyed something unique and different. It's not always pleasant to not to be freezing your ass off in the middle of winter. Um, but at the same time, it's just, I don't know. I, I like the, just to be different in a weird way. I don't want to be in the same house that everybody else has. Right. Um, and I like that unique quality about it. It's very rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how do you, how do you, do you have trouble finding workers? I mean, so that's what, you know, up here, there's so much work. It's endless. It's really the labor force that's the hardest thing right now. We're, we're fortunate with the show where we're able to keep, you know, really good people with us and draw people in. But do you find the same issues down in your area? Or do you see younger yeah, I mean, people getting more interested in the trades like you mentioned earlier? So there are, there are kids interested in the trades, but I think, and this is something you guys have probably came across is that they're more interested in the TV aspect and they want to do a YouTube channel and, mm -hmm. um, which is funny. I have no interest in doing any of that stuff, <laughs> not even a little bit. 
it, when I watch some Sounds of the like influencers, it's so much work. It's yeah. like, oh my lord. Um, but f- for me, I, I'm I'm I had a really great helper for a long period of time, and I loved having him there. It was not a lot of fanfare, and then um, he he was done, and he was like, I'm gonna move on and and do something else with little explanation, just gone one day, like. I felt like I lost a sibling or something and he was a young kid, worked his butt off and then all of a sudden gone. And then you try to find somebody else and it's like, well, I could help you with the show. I'm like, I don't need help with the show. I need help in the shop. I need help with this. And the kids want to start at like $35 an hour for, I'm like, you don't even have any tools. Yeah. And the days of growing up. I got a new, I got a new pair of Timberlands though. I'm like, you're set. You're good. I remember when I started out, it was, I was on the chop saw. Like, I didn't touch a nail gun when I was a young guy or the ground guy. And like now, like we, we're pretty open to guys. Like we let them do some layout. We let them touch the nail guns. But like you guys don't know, know how hard we had it. Like we didn't get to do any of this. Like you had to earn your way up. Yeah, you weren't allowed to touch. So I worked with uh, a company for years where they um, – it was, it was like a subcontractor or whatever. It was 1099. So they – bought a 300 year old house in Northern Jersey and they were going to redo it themselves. <clears throat> and the cool part is, is they wanted it all to be original. So I was literally learning and being paid to do this stuff. So it was like, go up in the, the attic. We're going to take the attic boards out. We're going to hand plane them all and put them downstairs. Uh, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I have a power planer in my trailer. <laughs> you can just run that sucker right through. And then after a while, he and he was like, no, no, we're going to hand plane. I'm like, you have a hand plane? I'm like, no, I don't have a hand plane. I have a power planer. Did you hear me? <laughs> right. And he was like, no, no, no. We want these specific marks. So I was able to, I was able to do that solely because I was paid to do it. If I, like, if I, because of my personality, I don't think I would still own a hand plane if I wasn't forced to at that time. Now, honestly, I appreciate it a lot more and I find the balance with doing both. Um, with trying to get a certain look, but finding people, I, I don't want to say I, I, I've given up because there, if you're in construction right now and you're not busy, something's wrong. Like, I don't care. Maybe in other parts of the world, they're having troubles, but right now it's like so crazy, almost to the point of like, I I don't like turning work away. And I certainly, I, I'm saying, yeah, we're about a year out right now. And me personally, I'm nervous about, I mean, do you know what you're going to be doing a year from now? Like, yeah. It's weird to, to do that. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's weird. And, and I don't, I, I'm not a fan of hiring like a ton of workers. I did that when I was younger and pretty much right now, the way we've worked the show, which is that um, I have a, a, my right hand guy, Steven, he, it's all his crew. I'm not good with, I'm not good being a boss like that. I know Chase, it says, when I was when I watched the show and it says boss underneath your your name, I was like, wow, is that what a boss looks like? Do I have to get a that, that is. No. His, his sister should have the same title. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you know, how do you feel about taking on that role and doing that? You probably you just you just want to get your by the way, he's looking at you like, oh, he loves it. He loves it. Um I, it's been it's definitely been difficult shifting away from swinging the hammer and you know getting more into the you know keeping the jobs going making sure materials are being ordered the person right. you know personnel all that stuff 
you know, I'm happy if I can spend a day on a job site, you know, leave my phone in the truck like that. But it, I think it was hard realization for both of us right. that we can't do that all the time because we have to keep the business running. So that's the hardest part is that if any advice that I could give is that in years past when I started, TV ran my life. And I remember when I started these shows, I made $200 a day being an on-air carpenter, which I was making more as a carpenter carpenter. And now I'm being paid less to have more responsibility (laughs) to do all this stuff. And, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to drive some Maserati when you hear the word TV. So for all the kids out there, you make more money as a carpenter right. than you do Absolutely. a TV carpenter. Uh, get in the trades. Go in get the, in the trades. trades. Get in the trades. <laughs> now, how do you deal with the pressure? And, the, you know, because that's a big one for us, too, is the pressure and the timelines to keep, you know. Pills. <laughs> okay, good. I'll get no, the, I'm I'll pre- Yeah. But, you know, with us, the film, you know, we have hard deadlines. We, you know, have to get these <clears throat> done in, by a certain time in order to meet schedules. Which, again, is not typical. I mean, yes, you have deadlines typically in carpentry, but it's been tough for us to kind of flexibility. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, You have flexibility and doing more than one at the same time has been, I don't want to say a nightmare because that's the way it's always been, but it is stressful. I mean, it, it, it takes a lot out of you and you're trying to you're trying to beg Peter to pay Paul because at the same time, we're trying to meet a deadline, but you're also trying to do a TV show. So then we're trying our best. We're trying our best to make it interesting. So things that sometimes don't right. aren't interesting, you're trying to make it interesting because that's what you're filming that day. So, and then you're thinking, and I'm sure you guys do the same thing. You're like, okay, what's interesting about this stud wall? Right. <laughs> Repetition. It's a stud wall. Yeah. And and trying to wrap your head around that, but also then. Because I, th- I think a part of me wants to really tell somebody, okay, this is a dog fur. This tree is going to be here. Look at the history behind this stone and this and go way out of control. And one of the old producers that I had was like, Jeff, it's 22 minutes with commercials, dude. Like, let's just maybe maybe not talk so much about that. Yeah. Um, and talk and just have just, – just work and, and do your thing and have a conversation about anything and everything. It's not always beating people over the head on how to do something, which always cons- – like I was like, we're on the DIY network. So let's teach them how to do it. And they're like, dude, we need like a four-hour epic show on one house if we listen to all the crap you spewed out of your mouth. So <laughs> – I've been able to, to pick and choose saying like, and being smart about it. When you guys start a cabin, you look at something and you pick and say, this is what I'm going to focus on. This is what I'm not. And the not stuff that I'm not going to focus on, I'm not going to worry about. I have somebody else take care of that. I don't think about it. I don't look about it. And I have no control over it. And that's been somewhat helpful for me. And, and what's really, for me, having... Um, they come to my shop, which is nice. And and being in my shop is my happy place. I can control that environment. Yeah, sure. That I like. That's the only way in this schedules are going rampant. We try our best. We don't always today. We were supposed to do a scene where we're putting boards in through a window. It's still drizzling. So we can't use the drone. And then that scene gets tossed. And I'm like, well, that's not my fault. It was raining. Right. So then we have to reschedule it. Where in reality, we need to have those floors in so right. the floors can be done. They can be sanded and we can stay on schedule. But production doesn't, no. you know, <laughs> they're producing a TV show. And yeah. rightfully so. It's just because you're trying to keep 
you're trying to keep friends and keep everybody happy. That's the hardest is that I'm a people pleaser and I don't like to say no, but I'm learning. You got to pretty quickly. Sometimes it's more helpful. Yeah. It's more helpful to say no sometimes. Oh, all the times. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Maggie has a few, my daughter, Maggie has a few questions from fans for you. Hi. Oh, hi daughter, Maggie. (laughs) She's hiding in the corner. All right. Are we ready? Sure. Peggy Ellen Feehan says, what was one stone job you thought was beyond saving, but your team did it? One stone job that's beyond saving. I have yet to come across that because I think that the ones that look the, the most desolate and desperate are the ones that I want to do. They make us look the best. So, yeah. And so the most challenging. That, yeah. Yeah. I, I like it when we, 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 we're like, we're, when the, the Mason Ed is like, we can't do this, man. We can't. No, Ed, we're going to, we're going to figure it out. He's like, it's going to cost you a fortune. I'm like, it's not going to cost me a fortune. It's going to cost the homeowner a fortune. And, you know, do I get a discount? So really that's, you know, I reluctantly say it's not happened yet. I can tell you that I live um, very close to Valley Forge. And if, if you remember in history, which by the way, I was not into history when I was a kid. I absolutely hated it. Thought it was boring. It smelled like farts. I didn't like history. Like I just didn't like history. Now I'm so sucked in and, and Valley Forge, the National Historic Park, has these, has these homes that are like literally ruins that the government can't tackle anymore. And that's my next, regardless of, of TV or not, that's the one, that's my piece de resistance oh, I got to awesome. do. Nice. You know, like it's one of those things that you, you drive by it all the time and you're, you're like, oh, I want to do that one. Yep. And um, hopefully before I die... I get to start that one. Excellent. Fingers crossed. Sorry, Maggie, I probably didn't answer your question that well because I'm ADD. It's okay. Hopefully that was close. It's okay. All right. Next question is from Kathy Hummingbird. Is it hard to replace old rock slash stone with new stone? So, yes and no. If we're if we're having to... Um, we're having to patch something in and we could go get stone at the stone yard, but quite honestly, uh, here's a little trick. You, if the stone was in the yard originally, if you dig in the right place, you'll find more stone. So that's the beauty in it. And people think like we're craftsmen and crazy awesome. What we do is disguised plagiarism. It's already been done before and we have a, a map of how they did it. And if they got the stones from the, the yard, then we're gonna do the same thing. There are some things that I've been called out on, like the EPA and stuff, where you're not allowed to get stones from the riverbank, which I was like, okay, fair. I'll get them a little bit up from the riverbank. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's 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 one. I prefer to use the stuff in the yard. I'm not a big fan of going to the stone yards and picking up pallets of stone just because, you know, when we expose it invariably, there's going to be pockets or holes that are problems. But if we can find some stuff in the, in the yard, which we almost always do, or we go through, or I'll find it. Honestly, if I have it in my house, I'll dig a hole in my house and bring it. Yeah. So it's normally only a couple of stones here and there. 
Okay. Ma- Maggie, by the way, is like the face you never see. How old is Maggie? I'm 14. Is she your favorite child, Chase? <laughs> yes. She's my, she's my oldest. Yeah. Okay. Is she your favorite? Yes. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> funny Fletcher asked me that same question this morning (laughs) (laughs) all right last question what what was the most historically connected home you've worked on so um there's been a couple and we're working on one now that has um had uh, and I'll I'll tease it a little bit but uh a a previous president had been in the house but the most historic is my own Oh, wow. Um Benedict Arnold's wife's parents uh owned the property that I lived in. Oh no. So kidding. I and I found that I found that out. Like and I was pretty good at going back through deeds and finding it, you know. Somebody had approached me. Um uh her name is Linda. She's a photographer, believe it or not, and she was breaking into researching deeds and doing all this stuff. And uh she's like, Do you mind if I do research on your house? And I'm like, Yeah, sure, go ahead. But you know, I've already done it and I know a decent amount. I feel pretty happy. I got old pictures, the whole thing. And she comes back and prevents, presents this to me. I literally get goosebumps. I can't stop smiling. And then in an odd way, I start going back in history. I'm like, I know Benedict Arnold, you know, traitor, blah, blah, blah. Now I want to know why I want to know more. And then you start to look at things through Benedict's like, yes, he was a traitor, blah, blah. But you also know if we were put in his shoes, we'd all probably have done exactly the same thing. This is a man that got no respect right. for what he was doing. And he had literally won so many damn wars, but never got any credit at that time. That's huge. Yeah. Like that was how they, you know, that was inheritance. That's all those sort of things. So having that information for me, um, it was pretty wild. There's a couple other homes that there's one other one in particular. It was 1684. That was the wow. oldest house that I've worked on. Yes. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, you think, you guys think you've seen problems? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's like 300 years with the problems. <clears throat> I know t- talking has made me feel a lot better about us, though, right? Absolutely. Good absolutely. to know someone yeah. else shares the same pain we go through. <laughs> yeah, and where well, we are, there's a Benedict Arnold connection as well. Yeah. You know, the uh, the trail he took up to Quebec runs right mm-hmm. up the Kennebec River and stuff. So if you ever want to do a little more research on Benedict, head up this way and we can uh, commiserate, o- commiserate over yeah. beers together in the woodshed. <laughs> okay, this is this is just not fun for me right now. You guys just look happy drinking your mugs, and I'm drinking water. <laughs> well, By the way, how do you guys say H2O? Water. Water. Yep. So, water. You're from down in Philly, Jersey. Are you guys saying water? It's But So, I am going to come up and and bug you guys up in Maine. Maine is probably one of my favorite places. It's absolutely stunningly gorgeous. I almost hit a moose that was like the ass end of a moose. People don't understand. Until you see one in person, they're absolutely huge. They look like elephants with antlers. Yeah, on stilts. You take their legs out and then they fall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll have to find a, a nice cabin that needs some stonework. Stone get yeah. your call up, get you up here this summer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not working when I come up. There. <laughs> no, no, no. Consulting, consulting. Yeah, consulting. consulting. That's oh. the easy money. <laughs> That's what they all say, right? <laughs> I can do that. Perfect. Jeff, we appreciate Cheers, you joining buddy. us. We know you're filming, so thank you for uh, taking time out of Bye. your schedule to do this. Um, we can find you at your Stonehouse Revival show on HDTV and DIY. 
And uh, yep. good luck to you, and thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for your time, Jeff. I, I, I so greatly appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun commiserating. Uh, I look forward to drunk dialing you later at night. <laughs> Perfect. Um, now, now that we're besties. We can, we can do some drunk history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Thanks so See much, ya. guys. Thank you. Cheers. It is a little bit magical. The little weed in the ground that you just walk over all the time actually has healing power. And that's really cool. <laughs> the forces of nature and, and the amazing chemical components in plants and how they work on us. It's just wildly magical. I was a skincare junkie and perfume, like all of that stuff. I had so many different brands and styles and kinds. And one of the reasons I started making actual skincare as opposed to like healing salves, I started reading the ingredients and freaked out because like I don't know what any of them are. I thought to myself, I can make this myself. I'm going to research this and I'm going to find some really awesome oils and herbs that will help my skin. It is terrifying to start a business. Pickles Potions wouldn't have started without the community. There is a great big sense of aloneness in today's society. And it is amazing when you find a little town that has community and has bonds and where people actually look out for each other. I never expected it to grow this much and it's because of the people that support me and the community. I, I would like Pickles Potions to grow enough that, you know, I can support other local people, but I do not want to lose that personal touch. I don't want great big machines making my products. I want to make them, or I want to train people to make them. Pickles Potions is kind of like my lifeblood, but I feel so invested like emotionally and intellectually, and that it feels like me. I mean, Pickle itself is my nickname, so I feel super <laughs> invested in Pickle's potions because it is me. Right, it's time for all of our favorite segment. Yes. Project Pointers brought to us by Durvent. Submit a short video question to podcast at maincabinmasters.com Include your question about your project, as much detail as possible, your name, your location, and show us your project if you like with a short video, and we will try to answer it as best we possibly can. And as I like to say, remember, free advice is free advice, <laughs> whether we're right or wrong. Are we ready? We we're are ready. ready. All right. First one is from Pete Conroy from Woodacre, California. Pete. We recently bought a small camp in Casco, Maine. Hmm. that needs a jacking and leveling due to many years of frost heaving. I've watched all of your episodes over the years, and you frequently show the jack jacking and leveling process, but can you please explain how you install the piers for the foundation? I've seen the cement pads that you use, but how do you prepare the ground to accept them? Very easy. And I think now we're into, like, we would have, all the crews are good at it, but... Right now, it's like jack it up, way up like a foot or two past where you need it, and then a nice bed of crushed stone, and then your foam, and then your puck. So the crushed stone allows you to get it level. Your puck 
gives you frost insulation. Excuse me, the foam gives you frost insulation and the puck on top. Yes. And then ideally, if you can, you bring the ground level. Uh, if it's on the perimeter, you know, if you do a drip edge round with crushed stone, bring that crushed stone up to the edge of the uh, top edge top, of the puck. puck right. It so looks the best. It looks the best and also helps with frost as well. Um, drainage, you know, it gets everything up to that level. And then once you get your puck set, you, you know, get to the level you want. Take your measurement for your six by six. I typically like to, you know, allow for quarter inch to a half inch. It's going to settle. More because it is going to settle. So, you know, get your six by six in there, get it level, get it straight, get it in a good position under any carrying beams, set it down slowly, and then always do diagonal bracing as much as you can. Um, if it's on an outside corner, get both directions both directions if it's in the center of an exterior wall try and get three directions if it's in underneath the camp get all four directions because it's going to help keep your posts from moving and don't be bummed out if you come back next year and the, it sunk a little bit you can just shim it i mean we've done that a bunch of times stuff's yeah. gonna move you know and just just be prepared for it it's not that big of a deal yeah it, it's a it's a working it's a working progress you've got to always you know you can probably go a year or two without doing anything yeah. but if you find that a door start, is starting not to close you know you may need to get under there and level out one jack just don't let it go for years and years and years because it just you know it just compounds and makes more work for you and don't bounce around pick one spot usually it's a chimney if there's one yes or the highest side or, or if you pick the highest side and go to that yeah and you know get it as close as you can it all depends on how how much of a perfectionist you want to be? Dixie's crew had a, they were on one th this week on Cobbacy. Beautiful, but the one center post where the um, farmer's porch or the screen porch comes in kept sinking. You know, it just kept sinking. But they finally, they, they took it back out, put more crushed rock, more foam, and they, they got it. But I mean, they had to re readjust like three or four times. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a work in progress. And on your diagonals, make sure you get them, I would say, at least halfway down the post so that, you know, you don't want to brace them just at the top because then you're you know, it depends on how long your leg is. You want to try and lock it in place to keep your post from kicking out and moving in any way that helps everything from shifting. That's a good synopsis right there. Idiot's guide to post in a camp in Maine <laughs> by chasing Ryan. <laughs> Could have been cliff notes, but she doesn't even know what I'm talking about. Do you guys have cliff notes? They call them something else now. Google. What? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hey Siri, tell me what about tell me the story of, of mice and men. <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> Next. I don't know, what river did Benedict Arnold go off? I don't even know who Benedict Arnold is. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. Not a clue. Oh, don't tell me that. <laughs> All right. Next one. Stephanie Jones. We recently purchased a lakefront cabin in Pennsylvania. It is a rustic seasonal camp which currently has no running water. What is the best way for us to get water from the lake to use for things like flushing toilets and taking showers? Are there purification systems available that would make the water safe to drink? Call Jeff. He's right in Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. So at least in the state of Maine, you have to have a leach system as soon as you pressurize water. So describe a leach system if people don't know. Some some sort of leaching bed where it you have a collection tank, whether it's a septic tank or whatever, and then the water flows out into pipes and it allows to leach into the ground. And the ground ground cleans it as over time. Yeah, 
aerobic, you know, aerobic. reactions will help clean it. Microbials will we, help clean it. We don't do a lot of filter systems, but we've done a couple nice ones. We did one at the fish camp where that came in because they wanted to drink the lake water. And that, I mean, that was the top end. But That was UV, uh, right? UV, yeah, and some filters, charcoal filters. But, I mean, a lot of people go to the big box store and just buy the one. You know, but you got to remember to change it. Yep. But that, that does a really good job as well. Yes. You know, again, if, if, you're, if you want drinking water, you're going to need a much more sophisticated filtration system. If you have a spring on your property, you could also use that. Um, Buffet dishes, showers. Yeah. You know, a hand pump. We've, we've, you know, we've installed a couple of those in camps. It all depends on how much water you want. But if you do a pressurized system where you've got a water tank and a pressure tank, you're definitely going to need some sort of system, at least in the state of Maine, to deal with the runoff. The gray water. The gray water. The black water. Not the good water. Not the good water. Great. <laughs> that was it for Project Planners. All right. That well, was... keep sending the questions. Send some videos. We'll have a good answer for you. Yeah. One Podcast at maincapmasters.com. All right. Do we have any fan questions? Yep. These, All are, right. the, these are the easy ones. You really can't mess up a fan question, can you? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> On a day like today, we probably could. <laughs> All right. I feel like we're just starting to get our energy back a little bit. Right at the end. We'll be ready for the trivia question. Yes. Stop. All right. This question is from Katie Korger. How do you all keep the bugs like mosquitoes and ticks away while you work? You guys seem like you work on some remote deep woods locations, but bugs never seem to bother you. Uh, I, I wish that was true. You know, a lot of, a lot of times, we're, luckily we're on water because there is a little bit of wind there, but there are some times when they are bad. I don't really use bug spray, do you? I definitely will use bug spray. Um, I tend not to spray it direct. I'll spray it on my hat, yeah. something like that, where then you put the hat on. You should wear those safari hats. Should. Oh, yeah. We can bring those back this year. Some, <laughs> get some skin so soft. Um, we, black flies are pretty bad for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Out of the summer, early summer, um, it, typically if you rake leaves, you know you can you can excite them and stir them up a lot more than normal. If there's a slight breeze, they're not bad. Um, you can have smudge fires. We stopped having fires though, because we, we just got so busy and yeah, having a fire is a lot of work. Having fires a lot of work, and then you you know it creates a lot of risks. Mosquitoes, you know they don't tend to bother me. Some moose flies. When you, you get bit by one of those, like, yeah, oh, not and, we're, fun. and and we're moving so much too that it's not like sitting around yeah. a campfire or something like that, or trying to sleep at night. But there's some new um, locally made stuff that people swear by, especially for the ticks and the bugs and stuff. And you can actually find some of it in our store, I believe. I think. Can you? do we have insect homemade? Soon to be yep, for the summer be. season. See, look at that plug, huh? Yeah. I'm coming around, Maggie. Like that. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what it is, but I know it's coming. And then ticks, really, <sighs> you just always have to be vigilant and keep checking for them regularly. They t- they tend to come out in the early summer and then they're go here away. Now. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're definitely here now. So bad. And then they go away, you know, the height of the summer, and they'll come back out in the fall. I was reading like you need you need like forty days below thirty negative thirty to kill them or something like it. it's never gonna happen. Mm. And then we're lucky because we don't have brown recluse. I mean, we do. Or we venomous. have the moth. Yeah, we have brown tail moth. Again, you know, wear long sleeve clothing. And poison ivy. Oh, it's all. 
Anything getting, that will make you itch, we have here. It's getting more and more like the jungle around here. It'll make you itch, but it won't kill you. Right, exactly. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And itch. And itchy. And there you there's have no it. guarantee it won't kill you. Yeah. yeah, you never know. All right. Last question is from Robin Trueblood. Since the design and buildings are done without plans, how do you determine how much wood and misc building materials you will need to complete your vision? Whew, that's a good question. Well, we know we've come a long ways. We, we kind of know now what to send them to start, you know? But like a unit of eastern white pine 12-inch shiplap. We pretty much can guarantee every job site is going to use at least one of those. Mostly, probably two. At least two, two, but one will get everybody going. And again, it can be used as your underlayment. It can be used as your, si- your sheathing boards. It can be used. It could be used as siding. It depends on the budget, really. It could be used as exterior trim. It could be used for flooring. The one thing that saves us is that when we get the bet, you know, the number two stuff, the tongue and grooves, the shiplap, is that it all gets used for something like you said. I love seeing the pile, a big unit, just go din and, and down to like just nothing, you know. And then you can buy the scraps in the store, so it yep. all goes something good. And because, you know, these are old camps where they were all built with wood, we know getting started we're going to use a lot of that. Um, we're very lucky being in Maine where it's super easily accessible. You know, all the lumber yards have it. We call up Hammonds. We say, hey, we need a unit. It's on site. I was going to say, Hammond Lumber is re- – our jobs are a lot ha- harder if Hammond Lumber – like, they li- literally will deliver the next day. Like, yep. they are run around for us, and that helps. And then same thing with beams, too. If, you know, we get into rotted sills – we know typically most of them are six by sixes and six by six hemlock beams are same thing readily available anything touching the ground is going to be a pressure treated it was tough last season when that was you know more difficult to get but right. that will at least get us started and buy us time to come up with a more detailed material list and to be honest with you they make us clean up the um job site before they you know at the reveal so all that goes into a pile where we pick from you know like yep i'm actually did one side of my shed from the orange from uh, the the Whitefield camp last year, you know, outside. But you had enough. It's orange. Like I put it on the side, no one's going to yep. see. But it was already painted. It's going to last forever. Yep. And you'll see you'll see an accent wall here and there of stuff that's left over, or you know, some stuff we do store away and use again. Oh, absolutely. But we are getting better at ordering. We're not perfect though. That was it for question. Great. I looked. at her, I was like, I just set myself up, and you were very nice. Thank you. <laughs> she wasn't listening. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. Uh, I tuned that last time out. <laughs> All right. So our product today down in the Kennebec Cabin Company store is this fun game pocket. 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 It's not easy. It's not so, easy. You got to you got to get the round peg right. through the square hole. <laughs> It's the newest rage in all the bars. Yeah. And camp. You two are really tough. First, first one to score wins. You two are really bad at this. Oh, oh Ryan won. Sorry. It's a lot of fun, though, after a beer or two. We'll have Jeff come up, back up, we'll drink some beers, and we'll puck it. Yeah. But it's handmade in Winslow by Alan Barassa. You can get that at our store online as well, I believe. It is a new, fun. And you can come down the woodshed and try it for free. Yeah. You know, have a couple of beers, get good at it. We Maybe we'll even have a pocket tournament someday. Yeah. Seth, our cameraman, stopped by yesterday, today? Yesterday, because it wasn't raining. He uh, found a foosball table on the side of the road. Oh, really? <laughs> He's like, do you want it to woodshed? I'm like, no, throw it in my barn for now. Oh, yeah, nice. Fletcher's all excited. He wanted to put it right in our new living room. I'm like, nope, it's not going in our house. Oh, don't, don't give up, Fletch. Just keep bugging. <laughs> Just keep bugging. <laughs> 
But yes, you can find this pucket and other fun games at shopkennebeccabincompany.com or come on into our retail store and... And Alan has, I call him Mr. Barassa because it makes him mad, but he has some, has some other cool stuff, some um, old drawers he made in like a dog food station, which is pretty cool. Oh, that, he made those as well. At my camp, he took the old lobster pot yeah. and made a vanity. So he's got a lot of really neat pieces. And one thing I remember is when you come in the store that a lot of our, dis- some of our displays are, are, are for sale, but just take a good look. Yeah. Because there's so much stuff in there. Spend some time, look yeah. around. Go have a beer and come back. Yep. <laughs> you pirate the money easier. <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> All right. Trivia question from last week was, what was the trivia question from last week? True or false? Yes, my kind. Lincoln County was named after Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president. I'm going false. I'm going true. Dun-dun. False. Lincoln County was named 100 years before President Lincoln took office. Who was he named after? Who was it named after? I don't know. See, they should give us that. If you know the you, answer to that. Yeah, Maggie, you should get your cliff notes out and check. <laughs> <laughs> uh, send us, so yeah, send us, send the answer to that to podcast. That will get you a bonus present, bonus yep. prize, bonus prize, not a present. Yeah. Who was Lincoln County named after, if not our president? One pa- one paragraph. Essay format. And I was an English teacher, so it better be good. And we will check your footnotes. Yes. Or your cliff notes. All right. Um, This one is, who was the main Mariner coach who became coach for the Philadelphia Flyers during the 80-81 season? I can't believe you're asking a sports question. Nice job. Why? Okay. I don't need to know the answer to it. I'm putting a bonus question in. Do you know the answer to this? I, of course you I do. know I <laughs> what Central Maine native was on the US Olympic You can't give him two trivia questions. No, I know this one. This is a Ryan question. Yeah, I like me. it. Yeah. You have to know the answer to both of them too to win. Yeah, so what cent- <laughs> what Central Maine <laughs> hockey player played in the NHL and was on the I think an eighty eight Olympic team because it was big fanfare around yep. here. Grew up in my neighborhood. And who oh was God. the what, what was oh, the first? Oh, what part? is happening? No, what was your question? <laughs> my the trivia question. Yeah. Before you completely took it off the rails. Yes. Who was the main Mariner coach who became the coach for the Philadelphia Flyers during the eighty eighty one season? This isn't a question, but I got one more tidbit of information. Oh my God! <laughs> Did you guys know the owner of the Philadelphia Flyers has a camp on Cobbesy Lake? He has for. 40 years. So should we go ask him the answer? We should. If you're watching, if anyone knows him, have him come in and have a beer with us at the woodshed, and we'll talk some hockey. Yeah. Hockey's the... Is that, are the Philadelphia Flyers hockey? <laughs> Jedi would probably check you I right assume they are... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I was going basketball. Oh, hey. hey. I'm impressed you asked. Way to think outside. At least yeah. you didn't think it was like an acrobat team. I mean, I know... <laughs> oh, hi, I know the, like, region. <laughs> All right. If you know the answer, podcast... I feel like we saved this one. It was started out slow. It was time. <laughs> no, we had a great guest. Thank you, oh, yeah. Chep, for joining us. Thank you, Renee and Paul, for joining us. The blame's all on us oh, for this yeah. one. but I feel like we came around. We started slow, but you know, like I say, it's not how you start today. It's how you finish it. Absolutely. And we want to thank our guest, Jeff Devlin, for joining us and the camp owners. And thank you to Maggie. Thank you to Ryan. Thank you to our sponsors, Nelma, 
Hero, Hero Media Arts and Hammond Lumber Company. I take that back. <laughs> I know. I was, I was looking at the front page. I was going to go through it all. We couldn't have done it without our sponsors and our guests. Thank you, Jeff, for joining us. Thank you to our camp owners. Thank you to our sponsors, Nelma, Hero Media Arts, Hammond Lumber Company. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you, Ryan. From the Woodshed, we'll be talking to you. Good job. We did it. Ha, ha, ha.